Good morning, Faith Covenant Church. My name is Kurt. I'm also one of the pastors here, and I want to add my welcome uh, to you to worship this morning. We are continuing our series on Emerge, and uh, before we jump into God's Word, I just want to invite you to pray with me and uh, acknowledge that no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter what is happening in our world, we can, with faith and confidence, believe that it is well with our soul, because Jesus not only gave his life, but rose again from the dead and is with us today through the presence and the power of his spirit. Our God can do all things and allow us to do all things in the name of Jesus. So let's pray in Jesus' name, would you? Holy God, we do thank you that you are with us today, that you continue to inspire us and call us out to be your people and to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. As we look to your word today, we ask that you would speak a word to us through your spirit that is a word that we need to hear for us, and that you would allow us to have the courage and the strength to respond to the prompting of your spirit, to learn how we can grow together to be the disciples of Jesus that you're calling us to be in our time and in our place. God, as we emerge from this coronavirus pandemic, would you allow the work of the Spirit in us to transform us from the inside out so that we are able to demonstrate the fruitfulness of the lives that you have called us to live through the gift and the power of your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Acts chapter 3, the story of the Acts of the Apostles continues. And in verse 1, it tells us that one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I want to pause there because uh, the chapter 3 and 4 of Acts really comprise the next story segment. And we're not going to have time to uh, go through verse by verse through two chapters this morning. So I, I want to give a little bit of an overview of this next segment of the story of Acts. And then at the end, I want to come back and zero in on one particular point that relates to this story that we just read. We see here that, that the chapter 3 begins by telling us that Peter and John are, are going about their life together. They're, they're going on their way to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon like they normally do. Uh, and scholars suggest that because uh, they're going together, they're likely following the pattern that Jesus gave his disciples when he sent them out to minister. He sent them in pairs. And so we see Peter and John working together side by side. 
And we'll see throughout the book of Acts that ministry is always being done in community and in teams and often with apprentice leaders in tow who are being trained up as the next generation to pass on the good news message of Jesus. And here we see them going about their daily lives. They're simply doing what they normally do each day, heading to the temple for the regular three o'clock prayer time. And, and, and we see this crippled beggar who is at the, the gate to the temple, who's also going about his daily routine. He would come there every day to beg and ask for money. And then we see this uh, interesting interaction, right? Where Peter and John look straight at him and, and Peter demands that he look back at them. And we wonder, well, what's going on with that, that exchange? And, and, and I think that the challenge is that uh, crippled uh, uh, illnesses and those kinds of things in, in Jesus' day were often assumed to be the result of, of sin in a person's life. And so a crippled beggar who was forced to beg for, for money was often assumed to be uh, on the outs with God and they were on the outs with society. And so they were overlooked. And we can imagine if he was there every day, he probably just became part of the window dressing of the temple gate, right? And that people would pass by and they would probably ignore his calls for money and, and, and they wouldn't look him in the eye because they just wanted to pretend that he wasn't there. And so after a while, he probably stopped looking at people as well. And he just, you know, kept asking for money. And how many of us haven't experienced a very similar kind of dynamic with people in our own culture? But Peter and John stop and they look at him. They see this man and they demand that the man look at them as well. He gave them his attention, and, and, and because they were calling out this connection, he's expecting that they're going to have some money to give him. He, he, he gets excited because they're going to give him something, right? And then Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Walk. In Hebrew thought, a person's name is believed to have expressed the very nature of their being. So the power of the person was was present and available in the name of the person. And in the name of Jesus, in the presence and the power of Jesus, this man is miraculously healed. And this miraculous healing then creates an opportunity for Peter to stand up with the other disciples and to once again share the good news story of Jesus. And as the chapter goes on, we see Peter explaining that that what has happened to this man comes as a result of what has happened through Jesus and through what has happened to him on the cross and through the resurrection and now the gift of the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. In doing so, we see that if you read through his his sermon, Peter does everything he can to deflect the glory away from himself and away from the disciples and to put the clear focus purely on the presence and the power and the name of Jesus at work. This healing event then in the story becomes the catalyst for the good news message of Jesus to be shared by the disciples. And Peter acknowledges the the reality of sin and the challenge that we all need a Savior and that what attracts a person to Jesus may be uh, an answer to an immediate problem that they have, but ultimately the answer to all our problems in all of our lives and in the brokenness of our world is the salvation that has already been accomplished through Jesus Christ. 
This ministry opportunity that started with a willingness to to address and see a person in need. To see the person and to meet the need led to a, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that produced a healing miracle, which led to the opportunity to tell the story of Jesus. And of course, then we see as the story goes on, as we see in each iteration of the story of the advancement of the gospel through the power of the Spirit in the book of Acts, we see resistance to the message emerge. The religious authorities sought to silence the disciples. However, even the resistance opened a door for follow-on ministry with those who did believe in Jesus. And the community came together in unity and in faith. And they praised God for God's protection and God's guidance. And their community fellowship became a representation of the emerging kingdom of God on earth. And was a very part of the testimony of their faith. Thus, in chapters 3 and 4, I want to suggest to us this morning that we see a pattern emerging that becomes a recurring pattern throughout the book of Acts with each iteration of the story. And, And that pattern looks like this. As the disciples are going, the power of the Holy Spirit shows up. And as a result, an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus occurs. But then resistance to the gospel shows up. But some people believe and the church continues to grow in numbers in spite of the resistance. And as a result, the church leans into one another and they continue to grow in unity and fellowship as a further evidence of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in verses 11 through 26 of chapter 3, we see Peter telling this good news message of Jesus. In verse 16, he says, By the faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. And then in chapter 4, verses 1 through 22, we see the resistance come from the religious leaders, the priests, the temple guards, and the Sadducees all arrest Peter and John, and they throw them in prison. And the next day, the rulers and the elders and all the teachers of the law get together to have have this uh, hearing uh, against the disciples. In verses 3 and 4 of chapter 4, it says they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But... Many who heard the message believed, so the number of men, the number of people who believed grew to about 5,000. Ultimately, they were released by the authorities. They they were uh, released back to the care of the Christian community. And in verses 23 through 37, the Christian community comes together and praises God. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continue to live into this unity and fellowship that itself becomes a model of the testimony and the witness to this good news in our lives. In verse 31 of chapter 4, it says, After they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. 
For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What an amazing, beautiful picture of what Christian community can look like and what the kingdom of God does to bring us together, even in the midst of our own broken humanity. Faith Covenant Church, men and women, brothers and sisters, as we emerge out of this current season in our lives, in what ways might we begin now to anticipate this same pattern at work in our lives, at work in the ministries of our church? First, we have talked about how the most important step that Jesus asked us to do is to wait for the promised gift of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But then we see in Acts chapter 3, eventually the call is to go. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I want to understand that there are two different aspects to this word go. And and depending on who you hear talking about it, I, I think both have validity. And we need to understand both of them. One of the more common ways of talking about this word go more recently is, is you could interpret the word to mean as you are going. As you're going through your life, as you're going out into the world, as you are moving on, make disciples. And I think that's true. That is an aspect of the universal call that that our lives are to be a part of the gospel message of making disciples in every day and every way that we can. Yet I'd also like to suggest that we have to be careful not to overly soften this clear command that Jesus has given that is present here. Yes, it's as you are going, but there is also a clear command that we are to be going. We are to be going into the world. We are to see the world as our mission field. We are to be actively anticipating those Holy Spirit moments when God will show up and create the opportunity for us to give witness and testimony to the good news story of Jesus Christ. Jesus' call to his disciples and to us as the church is clearly to be sent into the world. And not just to our neighbors and our friends, but to all the nations and to everyone. Now, I think we can acknowledge that not every person is called to international mission work. Not every person is blessed with the spiritual gift of evangelism and has a sense of a personal calling to be evangelizing in some specific ways. But let us not forget that the responsibility for international mission work, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to all the nations and to pursue the calling of evangelism as the witnesses of Jesus is the core mission of the community of Jesus' disciples. That is why the church exists. It is the heartbeat of mission for those who are followers of Jesus because it is Jesus' mission to the world. You see, the clear call of the church is to be those who understand that they are sent by Jesus into the world. To carry this good news message and through the power of the Holy Spirit become his witnesses. And this is the pattern that we see emerging through the story of Acts. As the disciples are going, 
The power of the Holy Spirit shows up. An opportunity to share the good news of Jesus occurs. Resistance to the gospel shows up. But some people believe and the church continues to grow in numbers. And as a result, the church continues to grow in fellowship and in unity. What does this picture of the church from Acts suggest for us today? How would we compare our experience of church and life together to what the early disciples experienced through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in their midst? Are we prepared to enter into those moments when the Holy Spirit shows up and does something unexpected and a miraculous work that presents us with an opportunity to share the good news? Are we willing to take advantages of those opportunities that God might create and not be too shy, but be willing, at least out of our own experience and our, and our own strength, to, to tell people what Jesus has done for me and what, what Jesus has meant to us? Do we understand that if we begin to take our calling to be sent into the world seriously, that we will experience resistance? That there is an enemy who wants to see nothing more than to have us be divided and disunified so that our fellowship breaks down and our testimony is not valid because we can't even love the brother who we can see. How How can we love a God who we can't see? And so unity and fellowship and peace have to be the starting point for Holy Spirit-led Christian community because we can't solve the problems of the world if we can't even solve the problems of one another. In spite of whatever resistance we may see, are we willing to allow the challenges we face to drive us closer together as Christian community as a sign and a testimony of the Lordship of Christ in our midst? Because in spite of whatever the world may throw at us, we have to believe and we have to understand that the name of Jesus is powerful and effective and can humbly draw us to experience the kingdom of God in ways that we maybe have never imagined. It is the presence of the Spirit of Christ in our midst that we all need to be able to accomplish a picture of Christian community that we see in Acts. When the Holy Spirit shows up, we realize that it's not our own strength and it's not our own power that we're relying on, but it is God's strength and it's God's power at work and it is the, the call of Jesus to submit ourselves to His Lordship that challenges us all to learn to love one another well. Like Peter, our focus should not be on ourselves and on what we can do in our own wisdom and strength, but on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and to pray for that Spirit to guide us. This is where I'd like to focus in on the story for the remainder of our time together. I think this this answer that Peter gives is is prescient for us in our time, in our uh, wealthy, rich, capitalistic society where where we have all of these resources available to us and we, we seek to do ministry in Jesus' name. Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Brothers and sisters, too often I think that we try to do church in our own strength with the resources that we think that we have. 
And by that, I don't just mean money. I think silver and gold can represent for us in many ways all those things that we do out of our own resources without the need for the power of God's Spirit to miraculously work in our lives. Silver and gold represent all the things that we can do apart from God. But what we need most desperately and what the world needs are the things that only God can do. See, the problem is that what we can do in our own strength is not what the world needs. It's not even ultimately what we need. It is the healing power of Jesus at work in our lives through the presence of the Spirit. That is the gift that God has given us through His Son, Jesus. And it is the gift that He's called us to give away. But if we try and do life as a Christian in our own strength, in our own resources, without waiting for the Holy Spirit and relying on the Spirit's guidance, then we're just doing it with the silver and gold that we have. And we're missing the gift that he's given us to give away, which is his power and presence in our lives. The story uh, uh, reminded me through a friend a number of years ago uh, of the story of Daniel and King Nebuchadnezzar. If you remember that story, back in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar starts having these, these horrible dreams, right? And, and he knows these dreams have, have some kind of meaning, but he can't interpret them. So he, he, it says he calls all of his uh, uh, magicians and enchanters and astrologers uh, and sorcerers to come and, and help him interpret the dream. But, but he, he's not sure if these guys, you know, are really being on the up and up with him or if they have what it takes to interpret his dream. So he gives them a test, Right? He says, first tell me what the dream is, then I'll believe that your interpretation is true. Oh, and they, they come in uh, verses 10 and 11, it says, the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they don't live among humans. And so as a result, the the king decides that he's going to just execute all of the wise men in in his country because they're all worthless. They're all good for nothing. None of their promises are going to come true. And so Daniel hears about it. And we know that Daniel and his friends were kind of elevated into into that, that sphere of wise men in Babylon. And so they are at risk of being executed. And so they get together. Uh, You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, the fiery furnace. It's those friends. They get together and they pray and they seek God's spirit. And God reveals the dream. And so Daniel quickly runs to the king and in verse 27 and 28, he says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he is asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. And Daniel interprets the dream. O king, what you ask, no man can do. No person can do. No one can do. There is no one on earth who has the power to do what you're asking us to do. But my God can do. There is a God in heaven who can do what for us is impossible. Silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you men and women. Do we understand that with the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have been given the power of Jesus Christ to change the world, 
to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem and to demonstrate the love and the power of the Spirit by how we live and move and work together as the church of Jesus Christ in our time and in our place. As Christians, we are continually encouraged to practice the fundamentals of staying connected to Jesus as the true vine because we know that that is what we too need most. What we most desperately need this morning, what you most desperately need this morning, what I as your pastor most desperately need this morning is what only he can provide. What area of your life this morning is in need of the healing touch of Jesus and what only he can do? What areas of our world and our society right now are we called to serve? Not with silver and gold or in our own wisdom and strength, but through offering the healing and the transforming power of the presence of God's Spirit. We've been given an incredible honor and an incredible opportunity to be witnesses to Jesus of the good news message of his presence and his power to transform our lives and our relationships. What is that going to look like for us? Our vision and our mission at Faith Covenant Church to pursue a real life together, to be connecting and growing and serving in Jesus' name is an expression of our desire to experience the truth and the presence of Jesus in our shared life together. As a result, it is our hope and our prayer that we too will experience the miraculous power of God's Spirit to bring healing to our brokenness. To, to allow our crippled places to be able to be mended so that we can walk again. To allow the relationships and the dividing walls of hostility in the larger church to begin to be broken down so that we become a living testimony of the kingdom of God at work in the world. It is in this way that the power of Jesus comes into our lives in the way that we first most desperately needed ourselves and allows us to demonstrate the good news message that our God can do miracles. You see, you look at the, the story of the community in Acts chapter 3 and 4 and, and how they respond to what they see the Spirit doing. And, and we understand that, that in seeing the emptiness of earthly goods and of human power, these early believers discovered a whole new identity in Christ and what Christian community was really meant to be. And it motivated them to completely reimagine how they would share and channel resources that God had given them so that they all had benefit and there was no one in need. I think far too often, I know that I am guilty of this as well, but we try to minister out of our own strength and our own goodness, and we make the issues about us and me and mine. Yet all the while, the world out there is hungry to see and to believe that in the church, there is a power that no man can do, but God can do. And if we are not willing to submit ourselves to the power of the Spirit and to pray for a miraculous healing at Faith Covenant Church and in our community, there is nothing else that we have to offer the world around us, men and women. 
It's just platitudes and empty talk. God in Christ Jesus invites each one of us to reimagine how the presence and the power of the Spirit at work in my life transforms my own identity by making us channels of his power that he has given us as a gift to be given away to a lost and a hurting and a broken world. And in this time, we can no longer walk by the crippled beggars that we have in our society as if we do not see them, as if we do not hear them, and we cannot respond, and as if we have nothing to offer them. We don't have to offer silver and gold, but what we do have, we can give. We can pray for the power of the Spirit, and in Jesus' name, we can give them the gift of healing and wholeness and newness of life. By making us channels of His power and His Spirit, He allows us to discover our greatest calling and the greatest purpose for our life, that we can be used by God to be a part of the solution to the brokenness of this world, and we can usher in the kingdom of God now that that we can begin to see the glimpse of what heaven is going to look like when people from every tribe and every nation and every tongue are calling on the the name of the Lamb who is worthy to be worshipped and worthy to be praised. We need to start from that humble position of worship together so that we can be a true testimony of who that Lamb really is. In the same way that the Spirit empowered the early disciples to become Jesus' witnesses, both locally and around the world, we too celebrate today that Jesus continues to send us into the world to be his witnesses, to love and serve others in Jesus' name so that we become a blessing to others. And as we grow in our understanding, we recognize the good news message of Jesus becomes for us a kind of lifestyle of evangelism. And evangelism simply means good newsing, right? Telling the good news. We live a lifestyle of good news together. It takes place while we are going, wherever we're going. It takes place in our partnership with one another in church. It happens in our living rooms. It happens on our back patios. It happens around dinner tables at home or in restaurants. It happens in the coffee shop and in the gym. It happens as we're hiking down the the road. Wherever the Spirit shows up and provides the opportunity for us to share the power of God to bring healing and wholeness in someone else's life is where the kingdom of God is at work. And so especially in this time, especially today, especially in this moment, we need to be praying for the kingdom of God to come among us. We need to hold our tongues long enough to listen well, to love well. We need to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. Because that's not going to help anything. We need to live our lives through the presence and the power of God's Spirit that humbles every one of us to to seek the needs of the other first. In this way, we become a people who are actively pursuing the unity and the fellowship of the Spirit through the Lordship of Christ in our midst. 
Men and women, what we see and what we're going to continue to see through the book of Acts is that discipleship is an invitation to follow Jesus into a new experience of human relationship. And it's called church. And we are sent together as the church to be the witnesses of this new reality that is at work in the world through the presence and the power of the Spirit. What we have to offer is not the silver or gold of our own intellect or our own philosophical arguments or what we think is right. What we have is the power of the Spirit to transform us by the truth that Jesus is alive and that He is the Lord of our lives. And through the power of His Spirit, we too can experience the miraculous, unexpected healing of the brokenness in our own lives. So for you this morning, for our church this morning, for our community and our world this morning, I pray for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. I pray for miraculous healing of the brokenness of our own relationships and our own lives so that we can demonstrate the power of God to overcome anything that this world would throw at us. We will experience resistance, but fear not. Jesus says, I have overcome this world. Amen. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we cannot help but feel that we are in a a critical moment in our lives. How we interpret the meaning of this moment varies from person to person. How we should be responding to this moment varies from person to person. How how we understand what the gospel means for us varies from person to person. But in the midst of the challenge and the confusion, God, you are inviting us to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to your spirit first. As we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ, God, I pray that you would give us a gift of the power of your Spirit to work a miracle of healing and wholeness in our lives. Help us to be watching for those Holy Spirit moments that we understand become opportunities to share the good news story of Jesus. God, in a world of bad news, the world desperately wants to hear the message of good news. And you have given us the gift not only of Jesus, but of one another. Help us not to squander the gifts you've given us, but to lean into them, to multiply them for your glory and not for our own. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.